This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. But you're in the body of Christ. I want you to now focus on brotherly love. That is real love. There is love that is fleshly, that is not of God. People, the world calls it love. And then now he's going to talk about love. And he's now focusing in on the church. We ought to love one another. Brotherly love. The word brotherly love is only one word in the Greek. It is the Greek word Philadelphia, which is Philadelphia. And that's what is known as the brotherly love. Love is a consistent theme in the scriptures. Today, Pastor Eddie wants you to remember that you are to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus said in John chapter 13, By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Our love, demonstrated to each other, is God's greatest evangelical tool. Most people want someone to genuinely love them. God is love. And if we love one another, as Christ loves us, who wouldn't want that? Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 as he begins his message, Walking in Love and Harmony. First Thessalonians chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 9 through 12. Verses 9 through 12. Paul's continuing to encourage the Thessalonian believers to walk and to walk worthy of the Lord. There's so many words of walk. Paul mentions walk often in all his epistles. But in 9 and 10, Paul's going to encourage them to walk in love. To walk in love in verses 9 and 10. Then in verses 11 and 12, Paul encourages them to walk in harmony and in honesty. Well, we read our text. Now let us study our text verse by verse. Let us look at it verse by verse. Verse 9, Paul writes, But concerning brotherly love. But concerning brotherly love. Now he's turning our attention from telling us what to abstain from, sexual immorality. But you're in the body of Christ. I want you to now Focus on brotherly love. That is real love. There is love that is fleshly, that is not of God. People, the world calls it love. And then now he's going to talk about love. And he's now focusing in on the church. We ought to love one another. Brotherly love. The word brotherly love is only one word in the Greek. It is the Greek word Philadelphia, which is Philadelphia. And that's what is known as the brotherly love. And it means it's to have a love between siblings, between brothers and sisters, but it's also a love between brothers and sisters in Christ, in the family of God. Quite often we just think it's just brothers and sisters, brotherly love. But as Christians, we're new. We're a new creation. We've been born again, born out of the rib of Christ. We ought to think the way God thinks, and God considers the family of God much greater than the family of man. The blood, you could say, well, this is my brother relative by blood, you know. But according to God, what he considers family is the family of God. Brothers and sisters, through Christ, that's why we're born again. We're born again into this family. 
And that's why Jesus, remember, at the cross, he said, woman, he's speaking to his mother, is a term of endearment. It's like saying, sir. He said, mother, ma'am. He says, behold thy son. And he's pointing to John, his beloved. He's 18 years old. And he says, son, behold thy mother. So he entrusted his mother to his disciple, his youngest disciple, John. Now, Jesus had half-brothers. Mary had other sons. Why didn't Jesus say to his brothers, take care of mom? No, he entrusted his mother to his disciple. When they looked for Jesus, what did they say? Jesus, he was preaching to the multitude. Said, Jesus, your mother and your brothers, they're out there, they're, they're looking for you. And he said, who's my mother, who's my brother? And then he points to his disciple. He said, here is my mother, my brother, my father, my mother. He's saying, this is the family. Because this is what's more important to God. And yes, I'm not saying to abandon your family. I know there's some family members you want to abandon, but we're not going there. But what I'm saying is this, is that to God is a brotherly love. And so this is what Paul is bringing their attention. He's talking about brotherly love of Philadelphia, phileo. And so we are to love one another. He says in verse 9, but concerning brotherly love, he said, you have no need that I should write to you. You have no need that I should write to you. Now, he could be referring to their reputation. Remember, as we began our study, as we studied through this letter, the first three chapters, we realized that the testimony of the Thessalonians, it was so powerful that the people of Macedonia and Achaia, they heard of Christ. They heard of them. They heard about their love for one another. He opened up his letter with this. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. He says, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and your labor, your labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father. And so their love for one another was a laboring love, meaning that it was demonstrated by their action. It wasn't just mere words. And you know we can say a lot of things that don't mean it. We can say a lot of things that don't follow up with it. And love is one of those things that we say, yeah, I love my brother. Oh, I love my church. I love my pastor. I love my leaders. And then guess what? Right? And then there's just problems. But he says, love with deed. As a matter of fact, John, the apostle John, John's disciple, he writes this in his first epistle, 1 John chapter 3, verse 18. He says, my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Let us not say, oh, I love you, my brother. I love you, my sister. But we don't show it in truth and in our action. Brotherly love, they had a laboring love, and that love was evident in how they loved each other, they cared for each other. And this is, is not what we say, but it is what we do that God sees and that honors God. So it needs to be an action. In the same way, you know, there are those that call out the Lord, Lord, I love you. You are my one and only God. I love you. And what Jesus said to the Pharisees, in Matthew chapter 15, verse 8, he says, These people draw near to me with my mouth. They honor me with my lips, but their hearts are far from me. Verse 9, but concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. The phrase here, taught by God, how were they taught by God? By his spirit, by his word. They remember the words that Paul taught them when Paul spent only three weeks. In the book of Acts, chapter 17, says it was only three Sabbaths. But for three Sabbaths, wow, I think that's the best Bible college ever. 
because Paul was only with them for three weeks, and they started to grow even in the midst of persecution. But the expression taught by God reflects one of the sayings of the prophet, prophet Isaiah, in the new covenant, speaking of the Messiah, when he comes, he will bring a new covenant. A new covenant, covenant, let's read it, Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 33 to 34. This is what the prophet Jeremiah said, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their minds. Not just tablets of stones anymore. I will put my law in their minds. I will write them in their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor. In other words, if you're a believer in Christ, we should know these things. These things should be written in our minds and in our hearts. It says, and every man, his brother saying, know the Lord for they all shall know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. And so this is written in our hearts. You see, you and I, believers in Jesus Christ, when we became disciples of Christ, when we began to serve Christ, understand this, you accepted a God of love. You accepted the God of love. And because he dwells in your heart, we have the ability to love one another. It's already there. It's a matter of us being obedient to the word of God. Let me make that clear again. We worship and serve the God of love. When we accept Christ, he enters into our heart. And because he's a God of love, we have the ability to love. Love is a commandment, it's not a suggestion. It's a commandment, it's not a, a suggestion. We ought to love one another, brotherly love. And his Holy Spirit, it draws us to love God because he's in our heart. It draws us to love him because he loved us first. It draws us to love our brothers in Christ, even our enemies, because that is what Jesus taught us. He said, pray for your enemies. Love your enemies. Pray. Love your enemy. This is a command. Jesus said in John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35, he said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another and hear it. As, I underlined that for a reason, because you may want to love one another the way you think it's right. But Jesus says, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. How much has Christ loved us? He loved us death on the cross. As a new commandment, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Again, this is a commandment that we ought to follow. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 15, if you love me, if you love me, keep my commandments. And this is how we show, remember, not just say. This is our actions in how we love. Don't just say you love, but in action. You love the Lord, here's the action. Obey his commandment. What's his commandment? Love one another. What's the greatest commandment? Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Right? And love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? The Pharisees, one of the lawyers, tried to trap Jesus, as they always been trying to trap Jesus during his earthly ministry. And they asked Jesus, Jesus, out of all the, the commandments, all the 613 commandments, which is the greatest one? Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. It is deep within our hearts to love because we accepted Jesus Christ. So, we don't have to worry about 613 commandments. 
there's not a single person in the face of the earth that walks with a little chart with all 613 commandments and every day checks off which one he did not break, which one he followed. 613. We can't follow the first one. You should have no other God before me. The rich young ruler knew about that. We have all these commandments that we're trying to, oh, that's, that's, that's against the law. That's against the commandment. Oh, that's a sin. And you know what? If you love, it's easy. If you love God, you don't have to worry about having any other God before. If you love God vertically, you won't have to worry about creating an image. If you love God, you'll obey time with him as a Sabbath, the rest day with, with the Lord. We're not talking about a particular day, but rest in Jesus Christ. If you love your neighbor, you don't have to worry about murdering him. That's the biggest one. You have to worry about lying to him. You see, love, it's the center of it all. Everything about God was love, even before creation, because God is love. God didn't create love because he didn't create himself. Love was always there. Love is what put in his heart, I want to create man out of my image. And before I create man out of my image, I want to create this beautiful garden. I want to create this place where I can dwell and inhabit with them. That's love. Love is when Adam and Eve sinned and God didn't destroy the earth altogether. No, love is when his son came down and died on the cross to save mankind because of sin. Love is that you say, I go prepare a place for you. It's the commandment. The Thessalonians were known for brotherly love. They were known to love one another. They're doing exactly what Jesus said. Jesus says, they'll know you're my disciples. They'll know that you belong to me because look at the love you have for one another. That's the true mark of Christianity. You know, throughout history, throughout the centuries, man has uh, displayed many different symbols to show that they're Christians. They'll put a a cross pin on on the lapel of their coats or they'll wear a chain with a cross hanging around the necks, special clothing, special haircuts like the monks. You know, when they they shave the crown of their heads, it's supposed to be like the thorn of crown. And that's the reason why. So throughout the centuries, throughout Christendom, different denominations, man has done something to show that there's a mark that they're Christians. And if it's not that, then how they're identified with a certain group. And there are people, they identify themselves by groups. It could be selected by skin color, by uniform, by a share of interest, by inheritance to a code of behavior. But to a Christian, the true mark of a Christian is the love that we have one another. You don't have to wear anything to say you're a Christian. In fact, the way some Christians act, please don't wear it. Remember the guy was saying, you know, there was this bumper that said, hunk if you love Jesus. The guy is driving, and all of a sudden, it's just bam, 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 bam. And he kept beeping his horn because he was excited. And the guy got out of the car and said, why do you keep blowing your horn at me? I got out of the way so you could pass me. I'm just following your bumper. It says, hunk if you love Jesus. So I'm honking, you know. Or some people have the fish or whatever, and guess they cut people off, you know. Like a fish? Don't, don't mark your cars if you're not a good driver. <laughs> That's not good. That is not good. But, you know, we do all these things, but what marks a true Christian is his love for his brother. That's what Jesus said. These are the words of Christ. He says, they will know that you belong to me 
for your love for one another. Don't worry about the lapel. Don't worry about what kind of cross you have, a big cross, you know, like this. It's heavy around your neck that you're a follower of Christ. Love your brother. Be like Christ. And it doesn't matter what group you identify with. People will say, I know what group you belong to. You belong to that crazy church up the hill. You belong to this church because of your love for one another. As believers in Christ, we are recognized and identified by the love we have for one another. We have the love of God that dwells in our hearts. So we have the ability to love one another and even our enemies. So he says at the end of verse 9, For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. Verse 10, And indeed you do so towards all of the brethren who are in all of Macedonia. Of course, they had that reputation. But we urge you. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. And what more can I do? I love my brother. I am showing that by my action and deed, showing compassion. He or she needs me. We're there for each other. So he encouraged them to increase more and more to more with love. Even though they were known for brotherly love, but their love, Paul is saying, is not perfect. And what he means is he wants them to increase in love more and more. Here's the thing. For the Christian, there isn't a limit for love. You cannot say, well, I'm going to only love you this much. I mean, I don't know how you're going to measure it. Okay, you need help? Meet me halfway. No. Since you need the help, meet me three quarters of the way. That's how much I love you. I can only give you 25%. There's no such thing. There's no limit to the love we ought to have with one another. We are to love one another just as Christ loved us. And if love has a limit, if you put a limit for love for your brother or sister in Christ, then it is conditional. It's unlike the love that really Paul wants them to understand is the agape love. It's unconditional love. Unconditional love. We serve a God that his love is unconditional Now, there are four basic words for love in the Greek. Two are not used in the New Testament. Unlike the way we use love, you know, I love my wife, I love my children, I love my dog, I love cheeseburgers, I love my car. You can't love them all the same. You can't love your wife the way you love your car. And the first one, the first word is not found in the Bible, but it's eros, And it is a physical love, a romantic love, where we get the English word for erotic. That's not in the New Testament. It doesn't have to be sinful if it's between a married couple, a husband and a wife. The second word is storge, and that's empathy love. It refers to family love, not brotherly love, but love of parents for children. And it's not found in the scriptures. Then we have the third and fourth one, and we just looked at Philadelphia. That's the first one. That's a brotherly love. But the ultimate love is agape or agapeo. So if you actually have, you know, a Bible translator of the, of the Greek, the Greek lexicon or the strong concordance, and you're that kind of a student, you have that problem in your study Bible. You see agapeo, agapeo. Agape is in noun form, and agapeo is in verb form. It's how we do it, it's action. And so agape is the highest form of love. It is the love that God is and that God gives. 
And this is the love that God has been sharing with the world uh, through his son Jesus and with his church. It has no limit. It's unconditional. Agape is not, I love you if. Agape is not, I love you when. Agape is not, I love you because. Agape is, I love you, period. Period. That is it. And it's shown by your action. I recommend you read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's known as the love chapter. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love holds no record, keeps no record. If you're keeping a record or somebody offends you, then that's not love. Why? Because we forgive. Why? Because we have a God that forgives us. And when God forgives us, what does he say? I forgive you and yours of your sins as far as the east is from the west. Why can't we do that? Forgive one another. Agape treats others as God would treat you, regardless of feelings, regardless of the personal references. It is an unconditional love. And this is applicable to us. Paul is telling the church of Thessalonica, listen, you need to increase in love. You need to increase in love. And this message is for you and I today. Calvary Chapel, or fill in the blank, put your name there. Increase in love more and more. And that's what we're called to. He's telling we increase in love. Sad to say there are Christians who have something against them, but I'm just going to leave it like that. No. Go reconcile with your brother. The Bible says, Jesus said, leave your gift at the altar. We can come here, worship God, worship God, worship God. He said, leave your gift at the altar and go reconcile with your brother. Go reconcile. And this is what we ought to do. Reconcile one another. We ought to obey this commandment of Christ to love one another. Follow here what Paul says, to increase more and more. And then we please God, as Jesus said, by this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. You know, I have a list here that I kind of found on the internet. Is love described by children? And you already know it's going to be interesting. I tell you this, it's probably going to be convicting. In the homiletics class of the West Coast Baptist Bible College, they gather a list of quotes from children from the ages of four to eight. Four to eight. Describing their own words, love. Rebecca, the age of eight, said this. Love is when my grandmother got arthritis. She couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. So my grandfather does it for her all the time, even when his hands got arthritis too. That's love. Another one writes this. It says, when someone loves you, the way they say your name is different. That's interesting. You just know that your name is safe in their mouth. Pastor Eddie Pinero has been digging into the book of 1 Thessalonians with us here on Running the Race. There's much more to learn from this New Testament letter, but our time has come to an end for today. Before we go, we'd like to invite you to visit our website to hear more messages from Pastor Eddie. Head over to runningtheraceradio.com. There, you'll also find a link to our podcast where you can subscribe to receive up-to-date messages each time they're available. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, why not come be a part of our weekly worship service? We gather each Sunday at 10 a.m. 
for Bible study, worship, and getting to know each other better. Find more information at runningtheraceradio.com. If you're in a place of blessing due to this radio ministry, and you'd like to know how you could partner with us, we'd gladly accept your support. Here's Jessica to tell you more. Prayers for this ministry would be so appreciated. The opportunity for the lost to be reached over the radio is incredible. So please pray for our listening audience and that what share will alter people's lives forever. Another way you can support us is by prayerfully considering giving in a financial way. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into producing this program, and we're grateful for all who are willing to come alongside us to support the creation of each program. If you feel led to do this, you can find a Give tab at runningtheraceradio.com. We hope you'll join us again next time, right here on Running the Race.